We are back, 8.15, here on a Monday morning, daylight savings time. You're a little foggy this morning. There's a reason for it because your circadian rhythms would say it's 7.15. So mm-hmm. when we got up at 6, it was actually 5. So the first two hours of the show, if they've seemed kind of loopy, okay, it's it, there's an excuse for it. But from here on in, it's going to be nothing but solid takes. Well, maybe not from Simmer and I, but from our next guest, absolutely, as he is our TSN Hockey Insider, Dave Poulin. As always, a presentation of the Myers Automotive Group. How are you doing this morning, Dave? Very well. I'm even better after coming out with that Dave Matthews song. That is a spectacular way to wake up after a late (laughs) night and a very snowy drive home here and uh, in the emotions of the weekend for Ottawa Senators fans. Yes, mostly not very good ones, Dave. Well, we talked about meaningful games, and with that comes a price because I've always maintained that the importance of days between games and time off between playoff games is an instrumental part of learning because if you lose, it is so painful. And if you win, you can't let the emotion of it take over. And I think of coming out a week ago today, I was sitting in Chicago and doing this show and in a room that had arcade games, by the way, we never even got into this guys. I had arcade games in my hotel room in Chicago, like <laughs> major arcade. Yes. Major arcade games like Pac-Man. Wow. I had, um, I had a, a pinball machine. I had uh, space invaders, like full big games. Anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> maybe that was why I was on a high, not the five, nothing for the sense, for the sense record. But that is a part of it. It's a part of a young team learning. And and then the deflation of Chicago, the reinflation of Seattle, and then a tough weekend in Vancouver and Calgary. And and you're, you're watching a team that just doesn't know how to get past that yet and hasn't, hasn't learned how to handle the time between as effectively. And you thought they did with the day off going into Seattle. But that's the pain, and, and that's part of it. And as painful as it is, Believe me, it's a part of the emotion of getting better. What's wrong with the power play? <laughs> boy, oh boy. Um, it, it is now feeding on itself. So it becomes self-fulfilling now. And when you get a power play now, there's a tiny sense of dread, not a sense of we're going to get out of this. There just is. It's almost like what can go wrong. And when we were clipping stuff last night, it was just, it was take your pick. And, and a lot of the picks weren't, oh, wow, that was a huge save. They just weren't. It was, okay, you're making a pass you can't make there, and the other team is is reading you like a primary reader right now. And this is a team that clicked it around at points in the power play. I, I believe second was the highest they got for a short period of time in terms of league ranking. And we watched it just in amazement. It was like you had too many pieces. We were discussing who else could go on it, but we had – it was going so well that you weren't going to change it. Um, I'd go back to simple and I'd load up and fire the puck at the net and talk about puck retrieval instead of, you know, and what we're getting a lot of now is, is blind passes across the slot, like the bullet pass that's going across blindly and it's just not working right now. So I'd go right back to basics. I'd load up a couple of shooters. Then I know Chikrin and Shabbat got to the same power play last night. Um, I'd have Chikrin on the half ball at points. I'd move him around up top to see where that shot is coming from. And I'd say to the rest of the group, you don't get to stand in one place. You go retrieve the puck and we're going to do it again. It may become a moot point, uh, given the fact that Thomas Shabbat had to leave the game in the third period with a foot injury. There was no update uh, after the game. Uh, So we'll find out whether he's uh, good to go tomorrow night in Edmonton or not. Um, 
As you can imagine, uh, Dave, I mean, you pointed out uh, in, in one of your highlight packs last night uh, some of the issues that Thomas Shabbat is having, and he is uh, not a popular player amongst uh, some in the fan base right now. Um, has it reached a stage where you think he's getting in the way of himself in terms of what's going on between his ears as well? Yeah, I think he's deep into it right now, and I think part of it is, is you know, where exactly do I fit? And that's fine. And he's a very good player, and he's going to get back to where he was at his best. And so the convincing now, Jr. is that this is better for him, not worse. It's not, you know, it's going to put him in a better place if Chikrin and, in fact, Sanderson absorb some of the minutes, both from a defensive matchup standpoint and how they're matched up against defensively. So what they draw in terms of attention. And there's room for the three of them. I, I actually did a highlight pack last night on Brandstrom on doing some of the simple things because that's what he's going to have to do to stay in that mix, Correct because there's three big left shots ahead of him. And so, you know, I, I think there's a sorting out process that goes with this. I really do. And some of it, and hey, there's a little bit of ego involved here, and there's a little bit of, of you know, his turf, and that's fine. That's totally fine, because I think there's lots of room for all three of them. And if used effectively, and that would be two of them playing together in some fashion, it, it can be a good makeup. How difficult is it in basically game 60, Pooley, to, to reset chemistry or to find chemistry, but to reset your role in your minutes? Well, I think that's 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 continued part of the process, and resetting the role in the minutes is part of acquiring another player, and that just comes with it. Similar, the, the defense wasn't good enough before Chikrin was acquired, and it, quite frankly, hasn't been good enough since he's been acquired and you still have to figure out what the makeup is and how those minutes are dispersed. Minutes aren't given away freely. And because, you know, at one point, you know, Thomas Shabbat would have been the second highest in the league or 27, maybe the highest in the league at some points early in the year, that's too many. It's flat out too many. And, you know, so when you talk about that and then you talk about the team and its success rate, um, you know, you're looking at this final stretch and you're saying, okay, realistically, you know, what do you have to go down this stretch? You have to go well, four and one. Is that fair? Like that would, that would give you mid nineties points. That would give you a fair shot and say, well, this team can't go 12, four and one. And I would say, well, this team just went 13, four and one. And, you know, can we build the emotion back up? And, and Thomas Shabbat would have to be a big part of it. We don't know what the injury is, but we have to be a big part of it and say, you guys just went 13, four and one. You can go 12, four and one, but you've got to go one and oh, that's what you've got to do to start with. And I think I think everybody got ahead of themselves last Monday. I, I just do. It was hard not to. Five wins in a row, and it was. The, I think the out of those games, you'd argue that that New York was the biggest single game. But that Detroit series for this team, guys, was for the fan base, for probably for management, was enormous because of the way they handled Detroit. And so now it's getting back to that. And yes, Thomas Shabbat, you've got to be a big part of it. When you watch one team all the time, the fan base, anytime a goal is scored, you know, everyone's very critical, Pooley. Uh, from a sense perspective, do you see them differently than other teams in the sense of there just still appears to be so much confusion as to who is supposed to be where in the defensive zone and, and probably more off the rush where this does not appear that everybody's on the same page? When they're going poorly, that's exactly how it appears. But it does appear like that for everybody. Yeah. And, you know, and I do do different teams. Yeah. And believe me, the criticism that Toronto takes <laughs> when they play a poor game is staggering, guys. It's <laughs> unbelievable the, the, uh, what they take when they lose uh, you know, a game. And, and right now, 
that's not the case in Montreal. Montreal is a strangely happy place right now. It just is because because if I'm correct, I'd have to look. But I, I, I was thinking when I looked that I thought if Arizona won last night that they'd be ahead of Montreal in the standings. Um, I could do that real they quick. Are, but, they um, are. Yeah, they're pulling up. Which is staggering. But if you look at that bottom group, I was in Chicago last week and I commented on the happiness there. You know, with Luke Richardson and everything else. And Arizona, that's a happy place right now in Mullet <laughs> Arena. And you're like, how are these teams happy? They're in the bottom five of the league and they're happy. And but they are, and and so it's not it's not the case in Montreal right now, but it is in Winnipeg, guys. I mean, you know, I, I follow that market closely as well, and do some work out there. And, and man, oh man, you know, they went, they were second in the league in goals against, and, and they were taking abuse for for defensive structure and anything else people could lean on when they went through that little losing blip. Mm. Um. Uh, because the Sens are playing Edmonton uh, tomorrow night, uh, that Edmonton Leaf game on Saturday night, I mean, just the, the hype and the build-up to that, and then uh, the way the game plays itself out, Edmonton gets the lead, and the Leafs just storm back in the uh, second period and get the three in a row and eventually win 7-4. to four. Simmer's been raving about Mitch Marner's game uh, on uh, on Saturday. What, uh, what do you think about uh, the state of, of Mitch Marner in particular right now? It's all around, and I think the the willingness and the ability to play on the defensive side of it for him, I think he enjoys it immensely. I think he enjoys stealing pucks. And, you know, he would have been a, a kid growing up um, who was so elite that he had the puck a lot, but also not one of the big guys. And so, you know, similar to a Mark Stone had to steal the puck because he wasn't a great skater, as he once told me. And I'd say Marner probably would have had to steal it because he was a little guy and, you know, it wasn't gifted to him. But, Boy, oh boy, he can turn a game. And that game at 3-1 is all Edmonton, guys. And that's going the other way. And he picks it up. And even if he had done that on the road, it may not have had the same factor. But the buildup in that building, when Connor McDavid comes in, and I've been in the building when Connor McDavid's in the building, and it's just a buzz. And, you know, and it's, they want to make direct comparisons. They want their guy to be better than the other guy and all those things. And so that was happening, and but it was Connor McDavid. I think he had just scored the 3-1 goal, and Marner turned that game around. And he did it in a home building where the where the building could take over, and then the building did take over, and they got the momentum going. And I think you know a little bit of that was was Young Skinner and Net, but it was it was Mitch Marner, and he effectively stole the puck on two of those goals, not just the second one, but the third goal to set up that one or the fourth one. I mean, he he was really good. And he, he, if it's possible, guys, he's quietly been the first team all-star right winger in the last two years. Like, is that possible to use those words together quietly? <laughs> and, but he has, right? Like you could, you could arguably, I'm thinking win a lot of bets with that question, you know, to a, to a fairly high level hockey fan. And if you asked who the first team all-star right winger was the last two years in the national hockey league, I'm not thinking a lot of people are saying Mitch Marner. Because it, has been. Yeah, because everybody hates the Leafs outside of Toronto and because of Matthews and even <laughs> Tavares, do you, do you think he gets enough respect? Like it's almost at times when Pasternak was coming out in Boston, you know, just certain markets where, you know, do people realize the point totals he's putting up, you know, with a, with Matthews having just an okay year? That's a fair question. It really is a fair question. It still defers to Matthews first. And then it defers sometimes sideways to to the mercurial Nylander because of the way Nylander does it and you know and 
but it's not quite as nonchalant as it was with the helmet sitting back on the head. There's still a, an air about Willie that says, yeah, you know, I'm not that worried about this. <laughs> the nonchalance, the beauty of nonchalance and non-worry, which he, you know, handles beautifully, Willie Nylander. And then Tavares is the working man's guy who chose to come to Toronto. He didn't get drafted by Toronto. He chose to come here. So he holds a special place, you know, in people's hearts. And and so Marner probably, that's a fair question. I don't know that he does get the ultimate respect he deserves as a two-way hockey player. And when you get any conversation at all, when his name is brought up on the defensive side of things, because he does, is an excellent penalty killer, you'll immediately get, well, you're taking that route because he's not going to win the heart or the Art Ross or the or the rocket because the guy on his line is going to win it. So now you're just looking for an award to give him. I don't think that's the case, but that's the argument you'd get. When we talked to you on Friday, there were uh, rumblings that something was going to be going down in Philly. And indeed, <clears throat> after we hung up with you, uh, we found out about the change. And uh, Daniel Briere is the interim general manager of the Flyers and had his first comments yesterday and uh, kind of said what I think everybody was sort of hoping that he would say, as in, there is not going to be a short-term solution here. This is going to take uh, some time, but also touched upon the fact that they do have some good players there, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you're a flyer guy through and through. That's where you started and played a, a lot of your career. Um, do you think, A, that Daniel Briere will be um, ultimately the long-term general manager of the Flyers? And what kind of a job do you think uh, that he might be able to do? It appears he will be long-term and they put him in that place for a reason they brought him in you know and he went through a couple of different interview processes he went through one in arizona i believe and then he went through the one in montreal and you know it's easy to say when you don't get a job that you are a finalist they, they're calling him a finalist in montreal and um and then they put him they moved him from maine to philadelphia to be closer to the scene so i think he, he certainly has an inside track at that but it appears that the that the organization is going to be revamped in in some manner. And I did talk to a couple of people over there in the weekend. In fact, I exchanged notes with Danny as well, who who I've got to know a little bit over the last couple of years. And he is he's a hockey guy. Like he is a purist in the love of hockey. He really is, and just absolutely loves the game. Thinks it very well. Um, he's a, he's a bright bright guy. And so it, I think he's going to get now. There's it's not like he's getting a chance to really do it because you can't really do anything now before the end of the year. But I think this is a good reset for them. You know, it's funny because I'm thinking about it and I mentioned earlier on this, on this show, the happy club will almost just with one statement, he's allowing silly fans to join the happy club, like, and say, okay, it's okay. You know? (laughs) And, you know, I, and and I think of, of the teams that I talked about earlier and there's some teams that I'm not quite sure have joined it yet. Like, I don't know what's going on in Anaheim, but, but Chicago is in that club and Montreal's in that club. And now having a shot at Connor Bedard might put you in that club automatically. And if a team does, in fact, you know, win the right to have that player on their team and Philadelphia's in that mix, too. So um, it, it was the brewing was that change was going to happen. How much change will be the question, guys? Will it get to a level where you know he's he's embraced the word some sort of rebuild, but what does that mean? And and that's all still to be determined. In Phoenix, Breer broke in under Shoney, and of course Tortorella was an assistant coach. Uh, how much of a, a factor is Tortorella not only in maybe the power he holds, but the type of coach that maybe the general manager, if it's Breer or anybody else, would be uh, inheriting? It's going to be a conversation. There's no question about it, Zimmer. And you know, I think he has 
three years left on a significant deal, and an AV would have two more left, right? Uh, they must be going. They must be going be close. Somebody else in there. Okay, but they must be close. They must be uh, close to ten million dollars in in coaches' uh, salary, right? Yeah, they they might be. We might be missing somebody too. I don't. Yeah. I don't even know. But um, yes, and you know, and I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't think they know the answer to that because the relationship between Briere and Tortorella automatically changes on Friday morning. Mm-hmm. Like it just does, right? He's his boss now. I mean, he's not a guy sitting off to the side, you know, as a consultant to, to Chuck Fletcher. He's his boss. And that I don't care what you say. When that dynamic changes and you slide that one name plate out on the door, if they still do that, and slide the new name plate <laughs> in. Um, I like doing that, actually. I think that's cool. But uh, I don't know if they, if they still do that. As long as your name is the one going on. <laughs> well, and you put a little tape on the back of it, Simmers, you slide That's it in. True, yeah. So it's really hard to get out. It's a little trick. And you put a little tape or a little crazy glue on that name plate when you slide it in. But if that is the case, then that dynamic changes. Like, it flat out changes. And, you know, even the the way conversations start, everything else. Now, Torts may be in a position where he says, no, it doesn't change. I'm not going to change for anybody or anything. I don't know that, you know. I don't know Torts well enough. I know him to to say hi, but I don't know him well enough. He doesn't seem that. overly stubborn, so I'm sure he'd be up to <laughs> any, any <laughs> Does he want to join the Happy Club? That's uh, what I'm asking you. There you go. It doesn't appear to be the captain of the Happy Club. Uh, <laughs> Philly lost to Pittsburgh on Saturday, uh, 5-1, to one, and the Penguins won again yesterday over the Rangers in overtime. Does it feel, as we kind of reflect or, or look back upon Ottawa on the wild card and everything, does it kind of have the feel that uh, Pittsburgh's kind of putting their stamp on one of those two wild card spots now? I think they are. I'm not as sure about the second one. I'm not as sure about the Islanders. And that was a team, even when they were ahead of Pittsburgh, that was the team that I had targeted is that someone had to take out if they were taking a team out of the East, that it would have to be the Islanders, that it wouldn't be Pittsburgh, that there was just too much pedigree in the Pittsburgh room. And if they got any goaltending at all, and I believe they are getting you know, a trace of that now, but they've been good. They've only lost two in regulation in their last 10, and they've been good. And and I think there's enough there to keep them in it. I'm not sure about the Islanders. That's I'm not. Uh, they've played more games than anybody else, but I'm just not sure about them. Florida appears to be making noise now. Every time you think Washington's out of it, they win a game. And, and Ottawa's right there with those two teams. So um, you, you have to win your next game and build that momentum back and get back on a roll. But is it doable? Of course it's doable until it's not. Uh, a little credit in Washington for switching out the furniture and the impact that Sandine's had? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would speak to Washington. I would speak to Nashville. Talk about moving furniture out, Simmer. I mean, you moved Geno out, a young guy. You moved your, your, you know, your best defensive defenseman in Ekholm, and you moved Granlund out, and you don't have Johansson. But you did make a move there that's very significant, and his name is Barry Trotz. And you know, and I, I didn't think that that Barry was taking over, but I think he's he's involved, and like till the end of the year. But I think he's involved, and and you think of that team now, and all of a sudden, you know, they're they had it points percentage wise. Now they're right there in points as well with games in hand, three games in hand on Calgary. So you talk about Calgary. It's Nashville that's the team that, that's making noise out west. Mm, good stuff. All right. Appreciate your time as always. And it was a short night for you uh, as well. So I'll let you uh, let you go back to your uh, Dave Matthews uh, CDs and uh, throw those on. <laughs> Feel good going into your Monday. And uh, we'll chat again. Uh, I think you're back with us on Thursday, correct? 
I am, yeah. I'm heading, uh, I've got a flight on Wednesday morning, so we're going to rearrange till Thursday. So I think you'll get MJ on Wednesday. All right, sounds good. We'll chat then. Thanks for the time. Have a great day, gentlemen. Bet and Breakfast, powered by FanDuel. Make every moment more on FanDuel, North America's number one sports book. All right, Simmer, new week. We got uh, three games across the NHL tonight, Colorado's in Montreal. We're looking at the Buffalo in Toronto. Of course, uh, Sabres of interest, uh, given the fact they're in the mix with Ottawa for the wild card spot. And the Leafs are, well, they're the Le- Did you see the guy? The guy uh, right behind the net last night, uh, the uh, Sens net. So Sens at Calgary. No, I, I know. There's I, yeah. two guys in Leafs jerseys. Like, why? Like, and I understand, okay, if it's another team. And, you know, if you bought a new Vegas jersey, it's kind of cool. You're just asking for trouble. Like, like you deserve a, I'm not to say a hard punch in the head, but you, you show up to a, with a Leafs jersey on, you're just asking for trouble, Jerry. Are you not? Hey. Okay? Uh you're an attention okay. seeker. I'm okay. just going to leave yeah. it. You're an all attention right. seeker. All right. That's all, right. all you are. Okay. And listen, I brought it up, so you got what you wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so tonight, Toronto's hosting Buffalo. The Sabres are letting in a bajillion goals a game. Uh, Leafs just put up seven on uh, on Edmonton on Saturday. So I think I know where you're going, mm-hmm. but let's make it official. Yeah. Who do you like to win? And uh, over-under, by the way, is six and a half. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the Leafs. I know it's a, a goal and a half, but they'll win by a couple and absolutely take the over. And when you understand going to Buffalo, how many Leafs fans are there, but from a Buffalo perspective... Oh, this, this game's in Toronto. Oh, I know, I know, yes. but I'm just saying it is their rivalry. Like, this is a big deal for Buffalo. They love going into Toronto, so it's going to be high scoring. Uh, I'll take the over, and I'll take the Leafs. All right, so 10 bucks uh, on that little parlay of uh, Leafs minus a goal and a half, and the over of 6.5 wins you 19-14. That's a nice, tidy return, yeah. and... Uh, individual goal scorer, you liking anybody? Yeah, I'll take Mitch Marner. Uh, hot hand, and I really, when Daniel Alfredson was in the prime of his career, Dreyer, it was the hockey sense and the anticipation that just took him to another level, and right now Mitch Marner's just in a zone, and that play the other day, first of all, to steal the puck, but my gosh, what a gorgeous goal. So I'll take Mitch Marner to score, and there'll be lots of scoring. All right, uh, Mitch Marner to score a goal in tonight's game, yeah. plus 148. So 10 wins you 1480 mm. on that. Make every moment more on FanDuel, North America's number one sports book. Jamie Baker, our Sens analyst, will join us uh, next hour. We'll uh, talk more about the uh, Sens, who fell 5-1 in Calgary last night after a 5-2 loss in Vancouver on uh, Saturday. And it's on to Edmonton to take on Connor McDavid and the uh, Oilers on uh, on Tuesday night or tomorrow night. Uh, you watched a uh, as you were doing the pregame show that Edmonton Toronto game. You talked about uh, that move Marner made on that goal mm-hmm. was absolutely spectacular. But uh, does that feel to you like a potential Stanley Cup final, Edmonton Toronto, or no? no. Uh, and I only say that I, I from both I, perspectives. Oh, I, yeah, I'm just terrified of the goaltending on both sides. I, I'm not sure. I guess because Toronto is so magnified here, I don't have the faith in Samsonov. But in the case of Skinner and poor Jack Campbell is reverted back. Um, yeah, I'm not feeling it from either, to be quite honest with you, but I certainly on paper uh, really like the way Toronto plays. I think super underrated as far as the coaching. Uh, I know I was calling the first month of the season for Sheldon Keefe to be fired. I mean, uh, very impressive what both coaches are doing, but man, that goaltending makes me nervous. And in a big spot, like I didn't feel any better for either team by the time that game wrapped up on Saturday night. Now, um, I, Samsonov's uh, healthy, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm. I'm. Uh, so Matt Murray played that game the other night. And I understand. Look, Matt Murray's just come back. He's got to play some games. But um, I mean, that's, that's such a profile on that game, right? It's a Saturday night. It's yeah. hockey night in yeah. Canada. It's Connor McDavid's one and only visit. 
uh, to Toronto? Are you kind of? Mm-hmm. And I think everybody agrees. Uh-huh. Like Sansonov's going to be the guy you when think they start so? the playoffs. I'm not sure. No, I, I, no. Well, here's my thought, Jr. Remember, it was the Ottawa game on the Saturday night where all of a sudden Samsonov was playing well. And the justification was that they want to get Murray playing at home because he had struggled and Samsonov had played so well. And I'm not so sure with a two-time Stanley Cup champion, uh, the fact that the coach and GM had him in junior hockey, um, I wouldn't lock that one down, to be quite honest with you. And I guess if you're the least, one of the positives, JR, I, I would assume you'd want to start on the road. Would you agree? Uh, yeah. I, I just feel like in this Starting case... at home like, didn't work for them last year Yeah, Game but, 7. But so. I, I'm just feeling like, hey, be better just to, hey... Get the get the show on the road, uh, but no, I I wouldn't lock it. I would go with Samsonov personally. Matt Murray just makes me so darn nervous every time I watch him. But like I said, when you see that against Edmonton, yeah, that makes me wonder. Are they give him a little test ride here down the stretch. And like I said, he has won a couple of Stanley Cups. It's a long time ago, but he has won. All right, uh, eight forty eight. Speaking of winning, they do that a lot at Carleton <laughs> University. <laughs> Uh, to the tune of, on the men's side, 17 championships now in the last uh, 20 years in university basketball. They did it again last night and what uh, some people are saying maybe the greatest uh, Canadian university basketball game of all time. Double overtime. They beat St. of X in the, in the final, 109-104. The man who coached them to the championship joins us now on the Gabriel Pizza Hotline from Halifax. Good spot to, uh, good spot to uh, celebrate a championship. Taffy Charles, good morning. How you doing? Yeah, not bad, guys. Thanks, thanks for having me. Okay, did they, they they keep the bars open late in Halifax last night for you guys? They kept it open late, but I'm not as banged up as I was last year. Okay. So. <laughs> Have you located all your players, Taffy? Is everybody confirmed? Uh, I haven't done that yet. Okay, you know, okay. Like, there's only a few times that our flight was delayed. It's supposed to be at 10 o'clock, and our flight was delayed to 2.30. I was like, thank God, thank God. <laughs> wow, a flight delayed in Canada. Who knew? What, what, what exactly. Yeah, exactly. All right, so listen, I, I'm watching that game uh, last night, and it's it's one thing to, to watch. It must be another thing to coach it. So just in terms, and, and listen, you've, you've coached high-level basketball and played it for a long time. Just what's it like to be in the middle of all that as it's unfolding? I don't know. I've, I was, uh, you know, again, I think uh, somebody told me we were down 23, and I couldn't believe, I I didn't know, right? So, you know, I just try to coach every possession because if I, I guess if I thought we were down 23, I thought it would be over, over at one point. But, uh, you know, basketball, there's a lot of, there's a lot of possessions, you know, with 24 second clock. So, you know, you just try to talk and just say, Hey, you know, each and every possession, just try and make it the best. You know, if we can get some stops or string away some stops, uh, you know, hopefully we can get back into it. So, uh, I don't know. I don't don't think too far ahead on sport. Like you just can't. You can't think too far ahead. Uh, it's a long game. Luckily, I've had a little experience of uh, you know thinking with it, the chips are down. Um, you know, just uh, just to just keep hoping and, and, and just keep grinding. So uh, yeah, no, un- unreal, unreal. I, I still can't believe we won. You're a friend of the show. Uh, we're very pro Carlton, so you can be completely honest. Did you throw the game against Ottawa? You last week is this a Dave Smart tactic to play poorly and then win the <laughs> national championship? No, to be honest with you, um, no, they just wanted more than we did. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we beat them twice before. Like, there was a third game, and, you know, they just wanted to beat us really, really badly. We just didn't, uh, you know, we didn't take the game as hard, you know. As, 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 I think we wanted to win. We just thought it would be a little bit easier. We just took them for granted a little bit. They they, they really destroyed us and, and kicked, the, kicked their butts, which, again, 
it wasn't one of those games that we absolutely needed to win. It had been nice to win. It was hard to watch and celebrate on our floor. But, uh, no, the reality is that was, that was great. I didn't have to really do anything. It's like, hey, guys, this is what it was. Like, you know, them celebrate on our floor and do their thing. And, uh, you know, if you guys really want to win, that, you know, we need to, you need to, we need to play a little bit, play harder. Um, cause I guess we, I think we thought that, we were playing well, and we were, but, you know, we didn't, there was another level that we needed to get to. Well, you got a chance to extract your revenge in, uh, in Saturday's uh, semifinal. One of the interesting things, as you look back on the three games you played out in Halifax, uh, Taffy, is that, I mean, your first game in the quarterfinal, you won by two over uh, uh, University of Quebec at Montreal. Then you win by, I guess it was six over Ottawa, and then double overtime and five points. Like, like you guys were, there was, there was never an exhale moment in any of those three games for your team. No, again, we've all year, we've, uh, when we've needed to win the game, like, you know, especially after, like, you know, uh, in January, we went to Toronto and lost a couple of games, and it was not looking like we were going to be like, I don't know, it was like 18 teams in, 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 you know, in Ontario, and it looked like we were going to be like in the fifth, the fifth seed in Ontario, unless we started winning games, and we did every game we needed to win, we did. We beat Ottawa twice, and we, you know, games we needed to win, and then uh, we beat Queens, and then beat Queens for the quarterfinals uh, to get to, to get to the national. So. You know, every game that this team needed to win, we actually won. And that's, I don't know, that's just a, I don't know if that's a bad coaching job or just a testament to, hey, we absolutely, our backs are against the wall and we need to get, we need to get uh, some results. And uh, so we've been playing like that, to be honest with you, for the last month and a half. So to put yourself in the position to get to the Wilson Cup, unfortunately, we didn't do well. But I guess maybe we just kind of, you know, took the, took the, the, foot off the gas pedal for there. So yeah, I mean, I'm just super proud of these guys. With uh, Taffy Charles, the head coach of the Carlton Ravens men's basketball team. They won the national title uh, last night to beating St. of X uh, in double overtime. I, I read a piece from Connor Vreek one of your uh, one of your seniors um, uh, after the game last night, and he talked about at halftime, and I don't know if you're in there with the guys, but essentially his message to the rest of the team is, we've been here before, and they haven't, talking about St. of X. Uh, just speaking to the value of experience, can you... Uh, Talk about your seniors and, and, and to his point and how that played itself out in the second half and I guess through the two overtimes as well. Yeah, to be honest with you, um, you know, that's that's what that's why we do our thing, right? Like, you know, uh, you know, we have our early morning shoots. I think on the first day we played at noon, we got up at seven thirty, you know, we which was basically six thirty our time. A lot of teams wouldn't go, our whole our whole team wanted to go. Um, you know, we just, uh, you know, we just conditioned ourselves to be tougher than everybody else. You know, obviously, oh, shoot, uh, um, you know, rest versus, you know, have a rest, don't go to shoots anymore, don't do pregame skates, don't do this, don't do that. And we just kind of lean the other way for a lot of things, right? So, um, you know, these guys, uh, you know, at this time of year, it's about, it's not about coaching, honestly. It's about the players. It's always about the players, but, you know, I'm not playing the game. Those guys really believe that they were going to win the game. Um, you know, if you talk at halftime and say, hey, you know, you try and use any tactic that you can to try and make sure these guys understand we had a chance. And that was our message. It was like, listen, we had been there before. We've been down before. We just got to keep grinding it out. You know, we wanted to make them make sure they execute for the full 40 minutes, which we did talk about. And, uh, you know, you say those things. It took 50 minutes, to be honest with you. But, uh, you know, we finally got to them. But, yes, at the end of the day, these guys were exhausted. They were exhausted. But, you know, they just had the mental toughness to kind of get just, just get through it and, and still try and produce, um, you know, again. So, I honestly, I could not be proud of these guys. But, yeah, that, the message was that. Uh, 
yeah, you know what? We just got to keep doing it. We've done this before. We've been down before. Chips have been down, and you know, we we did definitely lean on our on our experience from our from our veterans. Taffy, how great does it feel, just on a personal, I guess, family level, uh, to have come into an incredible winning program where nothing but national championships is gratifying, and now to have won three in a row? I mean, you had to feel some pressure coming in, inheriting the best program on on the planet. Yeah, you know what? There's a lot. Of, it's hard. I mean, my dad passed away in, in December. So uh, it was it was tough. It was uh, it was a tough tough year for me. Um, you know, trying to get through that. My dad uh, he he'd been my biggest supporter, and uh, it was it was tough. But uh, you know, again, he, you know, there's been a lot of things that uh, trying to chase ghosts. I say they try to chase Dave, and you know, again, as I said, I think I you know winning 85 percent of your games, and you know you're still not going to be say, good enough. I mean, the guy just set an unreal bar. Um, and then, you know, even, even at the end, it was like, oh, you know what? It's like the, the, the script could have been written two ways. Carlton never loses in the finals, never lose and never lost in Halifax in the finals. And, uh, you know, again, trying to, trying to not have that kind of, uh, I guess stuff on your resume. Uh, and then, uh, you know, to say, oh, you know what? We ended up winning again. So, you know, again, it, it, it you're kind of chasing ghosts a little bit. You're, you're trying to uh, live up to this unreal bar that uh, has been set and uh you know again uh listen i thought i i thought we wouldn't i, I was hopeful but man it didn't look good mm. uh, through, throughout so many times in that game i think of all there's so many incredible stats during this run between dave and now yourself of 17 championships and 20 games uh and 20 title games i think the one to me and we talked about this earlier this morning you guys have been in 17 championship games you've won every single one of them like that's the odds would just say that by some freak of nature luck thing that you should lose one or two. How does Carlton win every single championship game it goes to at nationals? Again, it's just it's, it's basically a lot of the people have built it in the past and uh, just the mentality of our kids. And you know, again, we try and make things tough practice wise and. You know, we, you know, we, 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 you know, we, we still practice for two hours and 15 minutes in the 110th practice, um, where you, where people should say, Hey, you should practice less. Um, you know, again, just trying to condition these guys to, to, you know, wait, you know, when, when, like, for instance, just, Hey, my body, I know how my body's going to feel here. I know how bad, I know how it's going to feel here when, you know, I have to practice and I don't want to, and my body's not feeling right. And, I got to still figure out a way to be reductive and be competitive. So again, just that uh, it's really about, uh, you know, the whole year, right? Like just being able to really, really play as hard as we possibly can, not be perfect, but play as hard as you possibly can and, and just believe. So, you know, it's just something that we've just been able to, uh, to do, but it's not, it's not by accident. It's just, uh, you know, you just got to try and, now again, everything that says on oh, no rest and don't do this and don't do that, we just we really you know, really try to figure out. Hey, this is about the last uh, last uh, the last three games of the weekend. I just like like by the third game, like you know, we're, we're mentally tougher than than people about those kind of things. Was the national championships at the CTC? I sat down on the floor as I should, and I don't know why, <laughs> but I've never seen a spectacle like Dave Smarter on a sideline. Once a coach, always a coach. What does Dave Smart act and look like? <laughs> During games like last night, yeah, you know, I don't. You have him on Wednesday. I didn't see him. I was. Oh, okay. I, I didn't see him. I was. There was too many people. I mean, even like nine thousand people. So, I did not see him. Um, you know, again, I think 
you know, you don't have any control over it. And, you know, you're more of a fan now. You know, as coach, you, don't, you have less control. And more, as a, you know, now that you're not coaching, it's even, like, even less control, right? So, um, but again, I mean, yeah, it, 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 it's tough to watch. It's tough to watch as a coach. You can just imagine it's tough to watch as, 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 as a fan, right? So. With uh, Taffy Charles, head coach of uh, the Carlton Ravens men's basketball team, national champions again. Uh, for a fourth uh, straight time and 17 out of 20. Um, you talked about, I think, the last time we had you on about how much you're, you were kind of leaning on your seniors and on your starters. But I don't know if I've ever seen a stat line like this, uh, Taffy. Your team scored 109 points in double overtime last night, and 107 of those came from your starters. Uh, you know, was was this something where you just felt like either your starters, A, were playing too well, or B, you couldn't trust your bench? Why did it? Why did it kind of turn out the way that it did? I heard that. I, I, I obviously won, and I didn't really see the stats. And I ran into somebody yesterday, a supporter, and that's what they told me. I could not believe it. I just, you know, you know, I, I couldn't believe. It. I thought it was a joke. I thought it was a typo. I couldn't believe it. Um, you know, a couple of things about that. I think the guys who are graduating, you want to give them every opportunity to lose that game, right? You know, you don't want to be on the bench and say, "Hey, you know what? Let's." They're they're very urgent about the the, the result and and you know, give them a chance to win it right. That's probably the first thing. So you know those guys will lead on heavily to uh, to uh, you know if we're going to lose, we're going to lose with our guys. Um, but the second thing that I'd say is a little bit about how just trying to get uh, uh, mix the youth with the the old, and we struggled about that this year a little bit. There's a bit of gap because of our of our roster because of COVID. We had like some fifth year guys, we had some first year guys. So you know, in a very hostile environment, you know, these guys did the best they possibly could. They grew big, big time this year, but the reality is, is like the moment was a little bit too big for some guys. But uh, you know, so it's, it's no surprise. Um, that that happened. You know, obviously, like they had more more production from our bench, and but you know, at the end of the day, it's not really about you know the stats. It's just about just trying to find a way to win. Mm. Uh, I'm going to give you before we let you go one last chance to kind of talk up uh, your seniors. I know uh, that uh, they're. I think all of them are eligible to uh, come back, and at, at, I think they're all sort of undecided. We'll, we'll see, but maybe just a thought on uh, on your three seniors as they may or may not have played their last game for you last night. Yeah, so I have four seniors, right? So I have uh, Elliot Bailey. Um, you know, just epitome of, of 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 really our grit and hustle. Um, this guy from came from the UK. Didn't have a lot of opportunities. You know, he's paying double tuition, whatever he's paying for as an international student, struggling through. You know, getting meals each and every day just to kind of survive and. Uh, um, you know, didn't play his first three years, to be honest with you. He played not much, if, if, if at all. And, uh, you know, for his fourth year to actually, um, but fifth year of, you know, because of COVID, winning his fourth year, um, you know, for him to actually look like to, 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 to win, you know, and, and, and have a, a huge role just shows you his patience, his heart, his resilience. Um, really kind of in a pity of, epitome of the game. Um, you know, Connor Breakin, he, uh, you know, again, another kid that, uh, again, he just, the second game was unreal. You know, again, first game, I just said, listen, man, you got to play way better. And I kind of didn't, you know, I kind of said it not in this tone. I said, hey, you got to play better. This is ridiculous, right? He, he had a lot of times that his, you know, his, when we had made big moments and uh, he has not come through. 
end of the last two games, he had come through and, and under, we needed him to win, and he had actually stepped up, which I'm super proud of him. Um, you know, super proud of him. And then uh, Grant Shepard, who um, you know came from UBC and uh, came to our program to learn how to to be tougher and learn how to win, and you know, for him to be able to to to, to, to take those lessons when he like by graduating, you know, again, that's. Uh, you know, a testament to him, and he'll have opportunities at the national team program. You'll be seeing him in a national team program. Um, and then Aiden Warholtz, I mean, I, the epitome of a Raven on the floor, off the floor. Again, as I said, he 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 had his low his lowest mark was an A minus in in all five years, and we call him A plus. When he gets an A minus, we're like, hey, what happened during this? What happened in this class, <laughs> right? Like, you know, like honestly, he has not got a lot less than the A minus. But the biggest thing about this guy is he will never talk about himself, like, ever. And, and, and you know what? Again, I remember saying something to him like, hey, you know what, Aiden? Nice guys finish last, right? And you know what? And he's proved me wrong. The nicest guy you'll ever meet. You know, again, greatest team as nicest guy, best student, doesn't talk about himself. I, he, he's been unreal for our program. And, you know, again, that's a big culture piece that we got to try and replace. I mean, I don't think he ever do replace it, but hopefully some of the things that he's done is going to rub off on the guys uh, who are who are returning and kind of build it for the future. That's how we raise them in Canada, out there, Taffy. That's how we do it. <laughs> nice. Good and nice. Generally super soft <laughs> and very spoiled, so it's very rare, Taffy. <laughs> no, unreal. And that's what I'm saying. Unreal. And that's what I'm saying. And, and uh, no, honestly, this guy, he, he will never talk about himself. He'll talk about everybody else and genuine too. And that's why he's such a great leader and such a great person that it's, 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 uh, you know, it's been a great pleasure to coach him and he's made my life a hundred times easier. All right. Listen, uh, congratulations to you, to you, by the way, winning a title as the women's coach in 2018 and now as the men's coach, well, for three times now. Uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, uh, just an incredible individual accomplishment as well. I know it was a long year for you. Uh, but you uh, end as champions yet again at Carleton. Congratulations on that. Safe travels back to uh, Ottawa later today. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. There's Taffy Charles, head coach of the Carleton Ravens men's basketball team. Uh, four consecutive championships, 17 of the last 20. Incredible. And, again, don't want to give short trip to the women's team as well, no, which won no. yesterday. So Carleton has won both men's and women's first uh, school to do that since 1985. And I think you just mentioned last week that NC uh, didn't even get into the tournament this North year, Derek. Carolina, Dare. yeah. Uh, yep. Think about greatness. You know, you think about programs, and then we'll see what happens with Coach K. But what Taffy touched on there is just such the reality. Like, he's thinking, oh, now I made the final. I'll be the first Carleton <laughs> men's coach to lose in a final. You know what I mean? Like, that. it's really... Uh, this whole cycle of, you know, the underclassmen, sophomores and freshmen learning from the juniors and seniors here, this is a cycle of life that this is, I guess, supposed to be like this, but it can't be for everybody. But just this learning and that freshman guy comes in and all he knows is winning national championships. You, yeah. you graduate and to sustain that, to sustain that level of excellence, like I said, it almost never, ever, ever happens when you have a guy like Dave Smart step aside, right? That's almost always where mm-hmm. things go a little bit, a little bit sideways. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, and uh, you, you brought up uh, Coach K, of course, retired. And, uh, you know, uh, they've got the new coach in Duke right now. And they, they won the ACC okay. championship, but uh, fourth seed, uh, I think fourth or fifth seed, I think, okay. in their bracket. Okay. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a, a kind of an interesting equivalent. Uh, Duke didn't win the number of championships that uh, that Carleton has. But, uh, yeah, interesting to watch. Uh, yeah, that. well, and a guy also, when, you, you know, when you're coaching the Olympic team, which is the NBA guys too, right? Yeah. You know, the standard and... Well, you think back to Dean Smith when he left uh, North Carolina. Yeah, it's just not easy for a lot of these uh, programs. 
All right, Carlton uh, wins again. Surprise, surprise. All right, just past 9 o'clock, we'll take a break, top of the hour update, uh, and then we'll return, turn our attention back to the Sens. Fell twice on the weekend, including 5-1 in Calgary last night. What is the state of the Sens? Our Sens analyst, Jamie Baker, will join us coming up uh, in the next hour, right here on Sports Radio TSN 1200.